Everyone's watching to see what you will do. Everyone's looking at you. Oh. Everyone's wondering, will you come out tonight? Everyone's trying to get it right, get it right. Everybody's working for the weekend. Everybody wants a new romance. Everybody's going off the deep end. Everybody needs a second chance. Working for the weekend by Loverboy. Hey, hi, and hello. Welcome to Creative Forever, the podcast dedicated to keeping you forever inspired, forever motivated, forever creative, and forever you. I am your host, JM, a.k.a. the voice inside your head, a.k.a. your biggest fan. And together, we're going to get some creative shit, or just some other shit, done. All right, so, um, hello, hello. Thanks for uh, tuning in this week. Sorry we missed last week. I didn't mean to. It's just, um, we are having a little bit of work done on the house, which is a weird thing to say. It's the first time I've had to say something so obnoxious. Um, but we are, we had, uh, some problems with like the floor in the kitchen that had to be resolved, um, so that we could use the kitchen. And we had some problems in the shower that had to be resolved so that we could use the shower. And, um, we were finally able to get someone out, uh, to fix it. When you're trying to live in a place, and certainly when you're trying to work in a place while this repair or construction or whatever it is is going on, it's crazy loud and it's crazy stressful. I wasn't going to be able to record because of the drills and the saws and the banging and the whatever. It's not over yet, but they left a little early today and I was like, well, can I just like try to squeeze this out? So we will see what we can do. I think I want to do a sort of storytelling today. Um, I've been thinking a lot about jobs and and how lucky I've been over the years to work in jobs that I wanted to work in and work with people that I wanted to work with. It's interesting, you know, occasionally I get to speak to other folks that are having a real hard time with their job or um, having a really bad moment in in their job life. And um, when that happens, I do my best to listen and, and try to help them as best I can. But um, sometimes you hear someone having a super hard time in their job, or you continually hear about problems someone is having at their job. And I just think, man, there's so many signs. There's so many signs that this job isn't for you or that you will always be struggling at this job and it's not going to get any better. But it's hard for folks. One, your money is tied to your job. And so someone can be as upset about X, Y, and Z as they want to be. And they can need to complain about those things um, in order to survive. And that's all because no matter how upset they are and no matter how much they complain, at the end of the day, they know they can't leave it. They can't leave that job because they need the money. They need the opportunity. Um, it's a sp- special circumstance that they're not going to get that education or that information or that opportunity anywhere else. And so they have to, quote unquote, pay their dues. They have to stay. Um, or like I said, they they have to have that job because they have to have that paycheck. So I I do understand when that happens and folks are are really just needing to sort of vent because they have to stay. 
But a lot of the time when I'm talking to folks, they have a lot of uh, freedom and or options or more options than they think they do. Yeah. So I, I want to talk a little bit about that. I guess before I tell the story, I'll, I'll just make my biggest points. One, there are always more options than you think. If you truly can't leave your job because you have to have the money because of circumstances, then you already know I'm not talking to you and, and you're, you, you have to do what you got to do. I hope that that won't have to be sustained for long, that at some point soon you get to have more choices. But to everyone else, I think that you always have more choices than you think you have. And I think to everyone else, I want to say, I think that people think about jobs and work as being painful and terrible or jobs and work as being something you just have to do um, and don't realize that being happy at your job or being excited about your job or being interested in your job uh, is important. It does not have to hurt. I'm not going to go the other extreme, which is those folks that say <laughs> it's a job when it doesn't feel like a job. Like that's the best job. Those jobs that don't feel, feel like work. Like I, I can't go that far because I think that when you're working on something, it should feel like you're working on something. Um, people that are just having a hundred percent fun times, or they claim they're having a hundred percent fun times at their job. I, I think that's not the whole truth. At some point, you do have to work on the thing you love. If I was paid millions of dollars to make these um, podcast episodes for you, uh, I don't think I would ever say, well, you know, I'm just having the time of my life. It, my job is so much fun. It's still work to come up with the episode, write the episode, tweak the episode, record the episode, cut the episode. You know what I mean? There is work involved. And I would be lying if I said all of that, every single moment of that was enjoyable. So we're not going to go one to the extreme end and say that you should just be having the time of your fucking life at your job. I, I don't think you should. But I, I want to also address those folks that are on the other end of the spectrum that's like, well, work sucks. We're all jobs suck. Well, you know, all coworkers are weird. Well, you know, all bosses are pains in the ass. That is not true. That is not true. And if you feel like you're in a situation where it's like, well, that's how work is. I challenge you to, I don't know, readdress that because that's not how all work is. There's a balance between I'm having fun and don't realize I'm working. And this is just how it is. You have to struggle if you want to make good money. All right, so let's move on to the story. The story takes us back to 2002, 2003. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I was younger then, just out of college, feeling really, really, really optimistic about being in the entertainment industry. Boy, howdy. I thought, look, I went to NYU. I did pretty good there. I had this internship at Tribeca Film. Like, you know, that's De Niro's company. I was an intern there. The jobs are just going to pour in. I'll be fine. I'm going to Los Angeles straight from New York. LA loves New York transplants. They don't need to know I'm from Texas. I'm a New Yorker now. I'm moving to LA. This is going to just happen for me. And in some ways it did, but... 
it took a little bit of work on my part. And um, it also took a little bit of uh, gumption. Would that be the word? It took a little bit of me saying, now, wait a minute. I don't have to do this. You aren't the only, you know, deal in town. I know this might be ridiculous, but I'm leaving. (laughs) I still had to advocate for myself in that way and sort of protect myself, even though I was super young and super green. Um, I think you tend to, or we tend to, jump into a new industry and, again, think that we have to, like, pay our dues. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. So uh, I was young. I was free. I thought I was just going to take Hollywood by storm. That was not the case. Um, I ended up grabbing a fantastically available job (laughs) at Virgin Megastore. Uh, So I was selling CDs. And uh, it was pretty good. And so I was selling CDs and cleaning uh, CD cases kind of you know, that kind of stuff and uh, putting CDs in order. I worked with a guy that was stealing CDs and he was literally stealing them next to me. He would go get the CD he wanted, un- take it out of the thing because, you know, they used to come in those big plastic um, protectors that were like, not only would the thing beep if you took it past the front door, but you couldn't get to the CD unless you took that big giant plastic thing that was literally three times as long as the square CD. You couldn't get to the CD unless you took that off. So he would, you know, go find his CD of choice, take the thing off and stick the CD in his pants or like in the back of his pants and sort of like, he didn't go so far as to tape it to him, but I kind of feel like he was taping it to him. I, I don't know. He just either wore a real snug shirt, uh, like T-shirt underneath the shirt, undershirt underneath the shirt, whatever. So the guy was stealing stuff. Um, I almost said his name because I remember this guy's first and last name. We'll not be doing that, folks. Um, so, yeah, he he's a nice guy, but he was stealing stuff. Look, he's a middle-class white guy stealing things at Virgin Megastore. I was a queer black woman working there. I'm not ratting this guy out. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. doesn't hurt me. Um, I also worked across the street at Ikea, and they weren't really giving those jobs away because um, Ikea at the time was leading the way uh, with, like, health care for their workers. And, like, you could take classes. And, like, they were just really – it was like going to college while you worked at Ikea. I don't know if they have all of those programs anymore. But at the time, it was a sweet gig if you could get a gig at Ikea. So um, I did a bunch of interviews, way too many to stand on the floor and do nothing. And uh, I finally got that job there. But um, that's a story for another day. Had these two jobs – making money so that I could at least pay half the rent in Los Angeles in the apartment. But I wanted to work in the industry. And so I got something called the UTA job list um, from a friend of somebody or whatever. And was um, that's back when it was not online. It was just printed and handed out to folks. And so I got a copy and, you know, going down the list and trying to make sure that I talked up my working at Tribeca Film Festival uh, and Tribeca Film as an intern, um, tried to talk that up and, and NYU and blah, blah, blah. So it didn't go well. I had no experience. I'm pretty sure I also just didn't know what, how to structure my resume in a way that would, you know, stand out above others. This was before 
what's happening now with resumes is that they look like these beautiful like pie charts and and infographics. Uh, resumes now seem to look like infographics, which is just so strange to me. I'm like, just write down what you do. I don't need a graphic designer. I'm, I'm never hiring, but <laughs> I do look at a lot of resumes. <laughs> and I think in my head, I'm not hiring a graphic designer. I just want to know what you do. Anyways, whatever I was doing on my resumes, nothing was popping. And because of that, when I finally got uh, a call from a place that was like entertainment oriented, I was the thirstiest bitch you've ever seen. I could not wait to take this job. And I just knew it was going to take me straight to the top. So I will not name the name of that company either. Um, It it doesn't exist anymore. For sure, they went under. So they called me and said, you know, we would love to have you in. But first, let's just chat on the phone. So that was one of those things where, you know, they call you back and then they start asking you questions randomly, which is sort of unheard of now. I think if you get a uh, callback or whatever for a resume, it's probably via email. They don't just call you and then start talking to you, right? You can't just be caught while you're out at Target with them being like, hi, so you called about the, you sent your resume in and I'm calling about the job. Do you have a minute to chat? But that's how it happened. Um, I did have a minute to chat. I don't think I was at a Target and I talked to this this woman, and she was very, very nice. She had this really sweet voice. And so she sort of went over my resume with me over the phone, made sense. You know, uh, it sounded like she needed somebody to answer phones and do some light computing um, at this entertainment company, this startup. Yeah, okay, this sounds great. So that went well. She thought I was super nice. I would like to point out, and this is probably something not many people – think about, but I always think about it. People talk to me on the phone. They don't necessarily know that I'm a black woman. And I think in that moment, I was like, this lady thinks I'm so great. But if she meets me and has any trouble with me being a black woman, which, you know, newsflash, I'm sure you guys aren't shocked. Spoiler alert. A lot of people do, um, whether it's like direct, not happy with it or indirect and they don't realize it, but it does happen or it has happened to me more than once. It's like, oh, you're Janet. Oh, you're Janet. And uh, wow. Every time I have to just smile and say, yes, I am. Nice to meet you. So yeah, there was a little bit of that fear. This woman, you know, thinks I'm the bee's knees right now, but if I walk in there and I don't look like what she thought I should look like, I might not get this job. But anyways, I really actually didn't need to worry about that. I had so much more to worry about. Um, So she told me when to come in because she said she thought I was, you know, perfect for the job, uh, but she would need to have me meet the boss, the guy that runs the place, the guy that I would probably be answering these, you know, front desk phones ultimately for. So she was like his personal assistant or his like executive assistant, I guess. But I would be out on the main floor, you know, in the reception area, um, maybe transferring calls to her to transfer to him, blah, blah, blah. Great. So I have to meet this guy. So um, they had a Sunset Boulevard address, which was like a plus to me. I was like, I'm going to be working on Sunset Boulevard. It's going to be great. I put on my best whatever outfit, got myself ready on the way to the interview. My phone rings. I pick it up in the car because that's what you did in the early aughts. There was no real movement 
I uh, that I recall to not talk on the phone or text or whatever while you were driving. So I, I picked up the phone and she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, he's actually not going to be here anymore. He has to travel. Uh, I'm so sorry. Can we reschedule? Sure. That sucks. You know, what are you going to do? So I had already, I think, gone the day before and did a drive-by of the place. So I knew where I was going so I wouldn't be late. So now this is my like second time on the strip uh, <laughs> uh, driving by the place because I was like parking. And so I think I just drove by or whatever and went home. Felt bummed out about it, but took the outfit off while it was fresh. You're going to just put this shit on tomorrow. Great. He's traveling. You know, he's he's uh, he's in this he's in the business. Like, that's what they do. They travel last minute, blah, blah, blah. So we reschedule it for, I think, the next day or the next two days. This time I get the call before I leave the house. No, we need to reschedule again. The third time I got the call that we needed to reschedule again. After I arrived, she like came out of the back and was like, he's not coming. I essentially three times was stood up by an interview and kept going back. And in the back of my mind, I was like, this isn't right. Like, how does she continually not know where this man is? And how is it? That like, he's not interested, like he must not care what she must, she should just hire me. He must not really care. So anyways, fourth time is a charm. I got in there and he was there. This guy spoke to me for like 10 minutes. He didn't care. In fact, um, and the job was mine. At least I got, I guess, to like meet him and sort of get the tour because she gave me the official tour after he was good. And, you know, they had a top floor Sunset Boulevard office facing the boulevard. Um, And so it's like the reception area and then a hallway and like two and a half offices, one of them being used for a storage room. The other is his slash the assistant's. Fine. You're going to be sitting out here in the front. Um, It was a cute little desk. I had my own computer um, and nobody was going to be hanging out with me, which is just how I roll in general (laughs) as an office worker. Um, Anytime I work in an office, I just I just want them to put me by myself. Like, I don't really want to sit with anybody. Just leave me alone. I'll do the job. This is fine. This is this is fine. I leave. I've got this job. I don't know what it paid. Minimum wage, but whatever. Quit Ikea and Virgin Megastore immediately. Just quit. And uh, had my new fancy job. So I don't know. A couple of days later, I got there. And now I know this is standard. This has happened to me a hundred times on jobs. Like the first four days, it's like they don't even know you're there. <laughs> so I got there. She was like, great. Here's your desk. Sit down. Sat down. and like never saw her again. Literally nobody called. The guy never showed up. You know, whatever. So I was like, okay. Well, you know, I played with the paper clips and sort of whatever. And it was just nice to be in AC all day rather than staying on my feet, selling CDs and watching what's his name, uh, steal them. I think by like day four, we had gotten like three calls that I immediately transferred and she handled. So it was just like saying the name of the place. Thanks for calling, blah, 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 blah. How can I help or whatever? Uh, please hold transfer. You know, now I've got a computer in front of me, so I'm just tooling the internet and doing whatever you do. YouTube wasn't a thing then, so I wasn't able to, like, watch videos or anything. I'm not I wonder what I was doing. Was I on HuffPost? <laughs> Did HuffPost exist? Um, anyways, 
after a while, it was clear that I wasn't going to do anything. I was just going to sit there. So um, I started sending elaborate emails because, you know, I was still trying to be a writer then. I mean, I've always been trying to be a writer, I should say. I uh, would send elaborate emails to my friends that were like, you know, day 15, blah, 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 blah. I, you know, made a paperclip chain that's six feet long. Should I hang myself with this chain? Recounts of the whole day. Then one day it gets interesting. A guy comes and he has me sign for a package. I sign for the pack. Take it. You know, take it and give it to Christina. The, the, the boss guy, he's still not coming in. He's never there. She takes the package or whatever. Then I think a couple of days later, I got another envelope, you know, padded envelope. It's got something in it. Sign for it. Take it. Take it back to Christina. Then a FedEx comes one day and I sign for that. Immediately the next day, I am told that I am not to sign for FedExes. Um, and that if if anyone is bringing like that kind of like paper thing, uh, folder or whatever, to go get someone, but to not sign for it. I later figured out that the guy got served or something. <laughs> and I, I don't know how it works. I don't know if if technically I was able to sign for something, if they were serving this guy, or maybe they were serving the company and me taking the thing and signing for it was the company being served. But anyways, I guess somebody decided to serve this dude at his office and, and I signed for it. So I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I got it. Like nobody was mad at me. Um, I think we were all surprised. I, I was just signing for packages. Um, so I didn't get in trouble, but I was told, you know, no more medics signing for things. <laughs> Call her to the front. Fine. Then they bring, you know, a couple of days later, there's another package. This is not paper. It's not from FedEx. I, I know I can sign for it. And I hold on to this one. Maybe Christina was out for a little while. And I'm like, oh, it's DVDs. He's like getting DVDs or whatever. So if you know anything about production companies, they like to generally have one sheets or like the posters of their productions on the wall. So at whatever point during this time that I'm just signing for packages and and I realize that they are DVDs or whatever, um, they come to hang the posters and the one sheets on the wall. And, you know, I knew that we were like an independent company. I knew that um, we weren't going to have like, major stars in our productions or whatever they were. And um, apparently this company was like a new version of an old company this guy had. So he already had a few straight to video or straight to television uh, movies under his belt. So maybe that's what was going up. So I didn't really, you know, investigate or or whatever. I, I was honestly, this point in my entertainment career journey, I didn't give a shit. I just wanted to be in the entertainment business. I wasn't really like, am I working for Scorsese? Am I working for Spike Lee? Like, I, you, I was just happy to have a job that made me drive to Sunset Boulevard every day with a company name that ended with entertainment. I didn't care what they were doing. So they've hung these things on the wall and I see now, oh, these are DVDs. I think it was open or whatever. Anyways, I ended up looking in and what I pulled out was 100% clear to me was softcore porn DVDs. <sighs> this is when I was like, wait a minute, what's on the walls? <laughs> so then I go and like investigate the, the one sheets that had just gone up. And I'm like, oh no, this is, this is like the little, the teaser, like woman half dressed, but 
she's not scantily clad. Like it wasn't as bad as like a romance novel cover. Not that they're bad, but you know what I mean? It wasn't as scandalous as a romance novel cover. Um, but it was like definitely straight to video DVD, bad movie, softcore porn kind of stuff. Right. And, and I should have obviously have seen this when they went up. Like, I should have understood that. It, 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 I feel stupid for being so young and so stupid, but I, I just didn't. So now I'm, you know, writing up like day whatever. I think I work at a softcore porn company. So <laughs> I immediately start looking for a new job. I have no problem with softcore porn. No problem at all. People should do what they want to do. They, people should sell what they want to sell. It makes no difference to me, but I cannot start my career in Los Angeles working at a softcore porn production company. That's not going to work on a resume for me. That might work on a resume for a dude. It's just not going to work for this person standing right here. So it's like, I, I got to get out of here. What? What the fuck? So I then just started spending every day going to work to look for a job. I would sign for their stupid DVDs whenever they came in. I would not sign for FedEx paperwork. And I would just like I, UTA list, anybody's list, all of these websites, entertainmentcareers.net, like whatever I could find. Mandy.com. Wasn't there one called Mandy? Just looking, 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 looking for jobs and nothing was working out. So after a while, I got desperate enough that I started looking at the internships. And usually I wouldn't look at the internships because I was already out of college. There's no reason for college credit. And most of the time, I don't know if it's different now, but most of the time back then, internships didn't pay. So I was just like, well, I think you got to get out of here and maybe you just get an internship and you go back to Virgin Megastore. They will probably take you back. And so there I was looking for internships, applying to internships, not knowing if I would get paid or not, or if I was going to have to go back to Virgin Megastore or not. But um, that's what I did day in and day out when I went to the job. And, you know, honestly, it was great because they didn't have me doing anything else. And I was sort of spinning my wheels there anyway. So having a job to look for a job became good. Um, and I spent the next few weeks doing this, applying to the internships and just hoping it was going to be okay. So finally, I got a call for one of the internships. And I was bummed that it was one of the internships and not some of the jobs that I had been applying for. But again, I was like, fine, let's do it. So um, the guy said, let's meet at a coffee shop and, you know, we'll chat from there. Really casual. Great. Fine. Before I get into the internship interview and uh, how that went, I want to talk about all of the signs um, at this first job that should have told me not to even take the job in the first place. The first warning sign that I should not pursue this job was the second time they canceled on me. I should have somehow figured out how to say either, oh, actually, I don't have my calendar in front of me. Can I call you back? And then either never called them back, or at least that would have bought me enough time to figure out to be like, actually, I took another job. But in the moment, it's very hard to do that, especially when you're trying to get into an industry and you're young and, and you want any opportunity and they're calling you back on it. 
But that was my first line. Cancel on me two times. And unless your name is Ava DuVernay, like I'm not coming for your third opportunity to cancel on me. So that's that's my first signal that I should have started looking for other opportunities then. Second thing I did um, that I should have done differently was I didn't investigate. I It took me a long time to even understand that people did this, that they did like deep research on companies and or people. I'm all about researching products and stuff you're going to buy, but people that you're going to date and um, companies that you're trying to get like jobs with, I don't necessarily look them up. And anytime I talk to anybody else about this, they're like, what do you mean you don't like look up your dates before you go on them? And I was like, I've, I never in my life looked someone up. I never Googled them before I went on a date with them. That's strange to me. And me not doing it is strange to other folks. Same with companies. You know, if you are going to apply to a job at a reputable company, you already know who they are. You know what I mean? If you're applying for a job at Fox News, you probably already know what they do. And then if you're applying for a job at an independent like startup, what's there to look up? I now know that I should have like looked up this guy. I should have looked up his past company that someone referenced. I should have looked up the executive assistant person. You know, I should have asked her questions. Where did you work before this? What have you done before this? I should have looked all of those things up and I would have had a better understanding of who they were. Now I don't operate like this. Um, (laughs) I do know a lot about a company, whether they're big or small, and try to find out things about the people that work there already if I can. Yeah. So, so that's a lesson I learned. The third one was something that I actually did do correctly is the second I knew I shouldn't be there. I started working to get out of there as soon as possible. I did not for one second, like contemplate it or worry about it. Maybe I should stay. No, you need to leave here. Let's figure out how you can leave here. Start working every day to leave here. <laughs> and um, I don't know if if people are listening and, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm actually like that too. Like the second I need to be gone is the second I start to try to get gone. Um, but if you are someone that's like, oh, I, you know, you can't really just impulsively leave a job and I'm not sure if that's like always the wisest decision. I'm going to push back if your gut or anything is telling you you should get out of a position rather than spending any energy worrying if it's the wrong choice, spend all that energy looking for the next choice. (laughs) Try to get out. You can always be like, well, I spent 300% of my life, you know, the last two weeks trying to get out and there is no other option. So maybe it was impulsive and I should stay. But to start with like, oh, I think I should leave. Oh, is this impulsive and blah, blah, blah. Spend 300% of your time thinking about, should you start to look? No, absolutely start looking and trying to get out of there. I think it's, I think it's for the best. Again, if you're someone that can't leave your job, I'm already not speaking to you. I'm talking to those folks that have a little bit more power and freedom uh, of movement. I'm talking to people that have more job security, uh, financial security, or just power, ability to make change and have multiple options, you know, those folks. And then, you know, my last big mistake was just like, know what's on the walls. Know what's on the walls. Like, whatever somebody decides to put on the walls, 
in their house, out on the street, in their businesses can tell you a lot about them. That's, you know, that's why people say that you should never date anybody that if you go over to the house and they have no books, like you should turn around and walk out. Like what is on their walls matters. Um, Because I think as soon as they put those posters up, I would have known what was going on. So I roll up to the coffee shop and meet a gentleman that is just sort of really relaxed and chill. He's wearing flip-flops. He's, you know, got a great smile on his face. It already just feels great. I sit down, introduce myself. Um, I had my resume and everything, even though we were at a coffee shop, like I was ready to go. I'm sure I had a desperate look in my eye, but maybe I didn't. So, uh, you know, you do the chat, you talk about things. We ended up both being from Texas. And he said that the boss was also from Texas, like his boss, the, the, the person I would be ultimately working for, like he was already a part of the company, but that, you know, it's funny that we're all from Texas. So we chatted about that. Um, we chatted about Janet Jackson. We chatted about geishas, uh, for a little while. And, um, then he was like, you know, I'd love for you to meet my boss. So of course I'm like, I've been here before, (laughs) you know, I'd love to meet your boss too. Is there a chance you're going to cancel on me four times? But I, of course, don't say that to him. I am really wanting this job and whatever it is, because I really just want to get out of my other situation. And I can't remember if I even told him that I was in a situation. I don't know what I said or didn't say. Anyways, they did not cancel. I went and I met the boss. The boss was fantastic. The boss really um, liked that, you know, I had just sort of moved to Los Angeles from New York, that I had gotten this Los Angeles phone number before I moved so that if anybody called, they were calling a Los Angeles number, even though I was still in New York. Uh, She enjoyed that. We got on well and, you know, they both said, you know, we'd love for you to work with us. And me... (laughs) being me, I didn't at all at any point when meeting with the guy at the coffee shop or up until this moment, say anything like, you have to pay me, please. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not going to be able to just do this, you know, on goodwill or for experience. Like I'm going to need some money. I'm not sure how the subject got broached, but I'm sure I didn't take the initiative to ask because I was just too afraid, but it did come up at the end of the meeting. And they were like, oh, yeah, the job pays $10 an hour and we'll feed you. And I was like, (laughs) say what now? Uh, Great. I'll take it. When do I start? And that is how I went from working in the softcore porn industry to working at DreamWorks. I love that story so much because like, it's like the very bottom and I know it's not really the very bottom, but it's pretty bottom for a 20 something year old that thinks that they're going to go to LA and just do the most, right. And just be the best, but like porn, but not just porn, porn, but soft core porn, soft core straight to video DVD distribution porn is how I started. And I don't know what, a month later, I get to work at DreamWorks. Like, I'm just a lucky duck, one. I'm a lucky duck because it's a great story and it taught me a lot of 
very useful things uh, that I have been able to use for the rest of my life. So yeah, that is that is a story of a bad job and getting out of that bad job immediately. And so I tell you this story. Why? Because I wanted to. Two, because when I talk to people that don't seem happy in their jobs and I know that they have options, I think about things like this. The second that you are not happy, start looking. Start looking for something aggressively, not as a pity party, because I know that that happens a lot too. When I get sad about my job, I start to, you know, dream of the dream job and I kind of look to see what else is out there and I kind of whatever. No, actively get going on finding something else. Start thinking about being somewhere else. Start think like really embodying getting out so that you can get out because it is absolutely possible. It is absolutely possible. And I know sometimes you can get out of one work situation and then into a worse work situation. That doesn't usually happen often, but it can happen. But you can't let that scare you. I applied to an internship that did not say anything about DreamWorks. It did not say anything about pay. And I ended up working with these people at DreamWorks as a producer's assistant. And we made like two movies. It was fantastic. I was like 24 years old and it was just fantastic because (laughs) I had to get out of where I was and I was willing to take a risk and to just like aggressively find something else to do. And um, I have to say, the last job, my last job, I did almost the same thing. It was not porn, but it was a situation where I wanted to get out of the entertainment industry altogether. And I was trying to move to the tech industry. And that's a very difficult thing to do because they're two different worlds, right? And most people in the tech industry have either been in it their whole lives or they went to college for it or, or whatever. Um, there's a lot of transfer within the tech industry. There is less transfer to the tech industry from other industries, unless you have like a super, super specialty or you're like very, very high up, you know, you're like VP executive level kind of people. I wanted out of the entertainment industry. I really wanted into the tech industry. And I spent a year, uh, sending my resume out and getting nothing. I tried tweaking the resume getting nothing because, you know, you want your resume to sound like the jobs that you're, you're applying to, the language that they use, you want to use it. And in most cases, what you do and what you're trying to apply for is the same job. You just got to make it um, sound like it in the language. And I don't mean make it sound like it as in lie. I mean, do the work uh, to translate your skills into the language they use for those skills. So a year Nobody would call me back or whatever, but I then found out that there was an opportunity to do temp work at the company and that it was in six month intervals. So like at the end of the six months, they could either keep you or they could decide, you know, that project's done and they don't need you for something else. And I was like, I will interview for that. And as soon as I got to interview at the company, I got hired at the company. You know, all of the other times that I was applying for these jobs, I never even got to get in the room so that I could flex. So once I was able to get in the room and just sort of be me, I got the uh, temp work 
And uh, six months later, I got the full-time job and it's been so fantastic and, and I really, really love it. But I had to take the risk to leave not only a company I had been at for years and had a really um, established sort of presence at, but um, to leave the industry completely. And I remember when I said, actually, I got a job, um, it's, you know, temp work or whatever, because I, I didn't lie. I was like, I, I got a temporary opportunity I'm going to take. There was some looking at me like, you're going to leave this job that is clearly full time. And you're like, top of your game here, running the show, doing what you do best. And like, you seem happy for a temp job in a different industry for six months, potentially like. I, I saw it in their eyes. One person kind of said it, but uh, <laughs> I saw it in, in others' eyes. But I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got to get out of here. I'm going to take this chance. And it worked out. And I am very proud of my ability to take an acceptable amount of risk to get what I want in my career professionally. I don't for one second dilly-dally once I realize I need to leave a job. I'll end with this. I'm not trying to gas you up to leave your perfectly mediocre job. I'm trying to gas you up to leave the job you know you should have left six months ago. If you have options, explore them. No one has to know you're doing it, but explore them and explore them aggressively. There's no reason that work should be unbearable. There's no reason that work should be something you have to talk about to your loved ones for two hours after the job is over. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference between like a, a rant on a Friday night, like, oh, this has been a terrible week. Let me tell you why. And every single evening telling whoever you uh, live with or, or um, who will listen about, you know, this person and then this person and you know what she did today and blah, 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 blah. Like, there is no reason for that. In many cases, that energy could be spent looking for the next role. All right. You can find Creative Forever on Twitter and Instagram at creative, the number four E-V-R. If you like what you're hearing and you would like to support this endeavor, you can buy me a coffee or I should say a donut because I will always take a donut over a cup of coffee. Um, the link is in the show notes. So all you have to do is swipe up where you're listening right now and you should see the show notes and the links will be in there. Um, or you can check out the website, uh, creative, the number four, evr.com. I say this to myself right now more than any of you listening. Don't forget to be creative this week, even if you're just thinking about it, JM. It's okay to just think about it. Uh, later. Later.